Hello everybody and welcome to episode 9 of the Navigating the Motherhood podcast. I can't believe we've done 9 episodes already, I swear it feels like I've only just launched the podcast but I guess now it's established, who knows? Anyway, um, this week's guest is the lovely Rebecca or Bex as she is known. She is Book Mums the Word on Instagram because incredibly impressively while she was on maternity leave she wrote a book which is basically an a to z guide of the shit that she felt like she didn't know before she became a parent um she talks really openly in the intro about how she really struggled with postnatal depression and actually writing the book was a little bit like therapy for her to get her through that really difficult time um and then she has picked five topics that um she really felt like she wanted to talk about from the book And they are talking about the themes of underwhelm, talking about you and your sense of self, um, body, which obviously fits very well into um, last week's episode with the lovely Alice from Alice and the Mums Mag, um, baby brain and judgment. So quite a wide range of topics that we covered. Um, Some of them, we had some pretty serious deep chats and other ones um, we laughed and then spatted in there and amongst is some just casual slapping off of our husbands, which is always funny. So it's a really brilliant episode. It's funny. It's relatable. I feel like there's going to be something in there for everyone. And we also finished the episode by talking about the themes of the things that you guys sent in about the things that you wish you heard more about before you became a mum, which I found incredibly interesting. And one of them even made Bex cry. So tune in till the very end of the episode to find out what that one is. As always, please continue to love and support and share the podcast as much as possible. Um, Don't forget, if you want to become a Patreon member, then you absolutely can. The link is in my Instagram bio and is always in the show notes down below. Um, Things I've been doing over on my Patreon, you know, every week there is an article from me. So instead of kind of my blog, I now write about my thoughts on motherhood on there. There's also uh, videos that I upload on there. And there's a little Facebook group. There's only a few of us in there, but I'm hoping it can grow and grow and become a space where people can talk really honestly about motherhood and be a support to one another. So if you want to join that crew, then all of the details will be in the show notes. But I'm going to stop waffling now and let's get into this episode because it's an absolute peach. Thank you so much. And here are me and Bex. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Navigating the Motherhood podcast. This week, my guest has sort of trumped my escapades into talking about honest motherhood with a podcast because she's only gone and written a bloody book about the thing which is incredible so for those of you that don't know my guest this week is the lovely Bex who is here to talk about five things that she wished she knew before becoming a mum but for those of you that don't know her Bex do you want to introduce yourself and your family setup and all things about you yeah hi thank you for having me um I am Bex Rebecca Oxtoby um I was going to say a speech and language therapist then, because that's what I'm used to saying. But for the purpose of the podcast, I am an author. So I'm the um, the author of Mum's the Word, The Shit Nobody Tells You About Parenthood. I am also a speech and language therapist. So the book is something that I've done 
on, in my spare time and kind of written on maternity leave, um, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a moment. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've kind of got multiple hats, but this was something that came about because after maternity leave, I was like, whoa, nobody tells you so much about parenthood. So this is my way of getting that out there. Amazing. And you've got a little girl who is, how old is um, she? She's almost 16 months. So 16 months on Sunday. And I live with Isabel and daddy, Dan, um, my husband, who has been, we've been together now, which is insane for 15 years, I think. Yeah, married for 14 years and married for five next week, which is crazy. Uh, do you know what my wedding anniversary? My wedding anniversary is like the end of next week. My wedding anniversary is Halloween. Oh, and the day after, first of November. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, um, but it's fun. I find like sometimes I'll say that like I think next year's I've been with John together ten years, and ten years you're like, oh, that's a really long time, and then you think of it as in relation to like a person, like how old a person would be, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, like people have <laughs> that's a really long time who are like. The, the fact that we have a one-year-old is still mental to me because I think we've only been together for about four years. And I'm like, oh, no, we've been married for five and we've literally been together since I was 16 and I'm nearly 30. So it it's just, yeah, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'm just still amazed that you managed to write a book on maternity leave. Like, that's... that, And a couple of people asked that question and you were like, they were like, how, how did you do that? <laughs> How, 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 how did you do that? <laughs> I went on maternity leave, um, obviously, as Isabel was being born, probably about three weeks before. And prior to that, I was really focused on my career. So I, I worked constantly. I'm the lead for the stroke service for speech therapy. So I've always had this kind of really busy life. And I think when I went on to maternity leave, I found that really there was a bit of a, a space lacking. I was slightly, I don't want to say bored, but I will say bored. So I found writing was quite cathartic and it gave me something to do. And it was something that I really enjoyed doing. So I think that's how it started. And then as she got more interesting and she did more stuff than just sucked on manipulas all day, we... Uh, yeah just it kind of formed into a book and I know everybody goes oh my god but how have you found the time to write a book but think how much time we spend dead scrolling on Instagram every day like I took that away yeah so then I took that away and I went and sat in Starbucks and made sure that I had a little bit of time away from the baby that was my bit that was my thing that I like to do and then before you knew it it turned into a book see that's amazing I feel like as well like I sometimes assume people sit and write a book from like eight in the morning till like five at night, like a job. <laughs> and actually they probably do it over like a lot longer period of time. <laughs> I'm just like, oh man, that feels like quite an intense thing to do. But then if you break it up over time, I guess it's possible. Not that I'm planning on doing it anytime soon. You know what? I'd really but- encourage people to do that. I think I, I like writing. I'm obviously, I work with language. I'm really interested in language. So writing's always been something that I found quite cathartic. But I actually struggled a little bit with my mental health when I was off on maternity leave. I did have um, postpartum depression. So I think it was a kind of an outlet for me. Um, And also, like, nobody tells you some of this shit. 
Nobody tells you that their <laughs> belly button is a gaping, fleshy hole and there's a big clip attached to it and it falls off. And it, like, that needs to be documented somewhere because that wasn't in that book <laughs> that I read what to expect when you're expecting their belly button will fall off and there will be a huge hole. Like, I, I think I just wanted to document the reality of motherhood in all of its shit-stained glory. But I feel like that's such an incredible thing because also if your little one decides to have kids, you can be like, here, yeah, don't ask me advice. Just yeah. here, here you go. I've written it all down for you. <laughs> that's so funny. I mean, that's amazing. People, because uh, I am writing another one now because it turns out that a toddler has even more material than a newborn. Um, and people keep going, oh, so you're just going to write one every year for the rest of her life. And I was like, oh, shit, maybe I could do that. Like, year 63, this is what it's like to have a 63-year-old <laughs> child. I don't know. I, oh. I think there's definitely a couple more years in it. I don't know when I'm stopping. I mean, oh, d- uh, and then bring it back up when teenage years happen, because as far as I'm aware, that's going to be an absolute shit show. Yeah, <laughs> if it's anything like what it's like now, I mean... Jesus Christ. I feel like the tantrums just become screaming at you. Yeah, and the person is bigger. Like, at least now I can pick her up and... (laughs) I don't know, Sky's a midget. I still think I'm going to be taller than Sky, so I feel like I might be good there because she's really small. (laughs) But, yeah. So, I asked you before the recording to pick five topics from the book. So, the book, for people that don't know, is an A to Z. So, I asked you to pick five things that you really wanted to talk about. So, you've picked five topics and we're going to talk about each of them in turn. And the first one is for the for the letter I really struggle with that then the letter U and it's underwhelm yeah so what did you mean by underwhelm what do you talk about in the book <laughs> it's funny because I, I think I've already hit on this a little bit and I think it shows how underwhelmed I was I expected to be massively overwhelmed when I had a baby I expected to find it overwhelming to find it exhausting to find it mind-blowing but after that novelty bit wore off I found it a little bit underwhelming and I, nobody's ever ever said to me that maternity leave would be boring nobody said that maternity leave the monotony of being off every day and Philip and Holly turning up on your screen every fucking day nobody said that that was going to be dull and I think as much as and I do say this in the book like I had facility treatment for Isabel I know what it is like to long for a child. I know how horrendous it is to see a pregnancy announcement on Facebook when it's not yours. But I would be an absolute hypocrite to say that when you've got that child that you longed for, it is perfect all the time. And I think, I mean, I can't imagine what these people who are going through lockdown with newborns are going through now because... I had the chance to go to baby classes and we did go to baby classes. The fact that even that is taken away from them now scares me a little bit because it's okay to feel like some days are dull. What what I actually found was, and you touched on it before with the weaning and how, um, before we, we came on it, how weaning is stressful and how it... Um, It's just a constant mess all the time. But one of my friends said to me, and I'll never forget, she said, wait until the weaning starts because you'll have some structure to your day. Because between naught and six months, 
yes, you've got the baby feeding, but for me, who was breastfeeding, I didn't even need to move from the couch to do that. So we would just put her on, carry on watching whatever was on TV, and then take her off. And then she'd fall asleep, would have a cuddle, and it would just go on and on and on. So I think the weaning side was a bit of a relief for me because it meant that we had to do that structure. We had to, oh, we're going to have to blend some food today and see what you fancy so yeah I think that just gave me a bit of structure yeah I get I totally get that I was the same and and don't get me wrong like I do sometimes now like I felt very much the same on maternity leave like I was very skeptical about baby classes I really didn't want to go to them because I didn't want I had this whole and we'll pick up on this because this comes up later on I didn't want to admit that I was a mum. Like I found that kind of identity thing really hard. So I wasn't going to go to baby classes and they ended up becoming my lifeline because they made me leave mm. the house because they were almost like, there was like two points in my day, I knew, my week. I knew on Monday I did baby sensory and I knew I did heartbeats on a Thursday and they were the two days I was guaranteed to get out of the house and at least do something yeah. because otherwise, as you said, it just becomes a bit monotonous. And I feel like similar to you, I had quite a, intense super busy job I think the week before Sky was born I'd worked something like 50 something hours like I had a really busy kind of and I loved but I loved it I loved juggling and I loved I realized that as a person a lot of my self-worth comes from achieving and ticking something off and achieving and also like and I'll fully put my hands up people telling me I'm doing a good job now finish finishing anything like achieving parenthood is just this one long continuous stream there's no end point for you to stop and go I've done that nailed that tick that off yeah exactly so like the fact that I wasn't achieving anything and also like and yet and I mean there was people online who were like you're doing great you're doing great but like it felt like I needed a professional to tell me I'm doing great. I know that sounds ridiculous, but like it's almost like if the if the midwife had come round every week and been like, I think you're smashing it, you're doing a really good job, then it might have been all right. But like it just felt like this open vastness maternity leave. And as I said, it is a gift. I look at people now in America who have like six weeks and yeah. then go back to work and I think that, you know, we're really lucky. But yeah, I was the same and so many people were like like be involved and be it be really focused but also like that in itself is a bit monotonous there's only so many ep- I mean actually there's, I could watch Hey Dougie a lot more but there's only so many episodes of certain programs that you can watch over and over again there's only so many times you can build the same you know mega block yeah. tower for the 18th time before you start to be a bit like oh no I need my brain to do something else what's amazing <laughs> is I've I've really struggled before to put into words exactly what I meant by underwhelm and I think you've hit the nail on the head it's the I I thrive off feedback I thrive off success and off ticking things off my list and when your list is make a bottle wash a bottle put a bottle in the steriliser start it all over again because a new bottle is there do the washing and that happens every single day you can never complete parenthood you can never tick it off and it's like the the hardest longest assignment that I'll ever do and I'm just not used to that 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 is exactly what it is well done I've struggled for so long to try and figure out what it is and you've done it thanks you can you can quote me in your new book (laughs) 
<laughs> um, but also, when you talked about underwhelm, um, and there's two things. One, I completely wholeheartedly agree. I've talked many, many times about the fact it took us a long time to have Sky. Mm. And for a while, it stopped me fully admitting how hard and sometimes how boring I found it because I really didn't want it to be portrayed as unthankfulness. Yeah. And I think that's really important. But the other one, as soon as you you sent me underwhelm, the, one, the big thing I thought of as well is that that moment that everybody puts pressure on when they're first born or when you first meet them. And everyone's like, there's this overwhelm of love and it's this amazing thing. And for me, I was like, in emergency surgery, hadn't seen her for four hours. They put her in my arms for 30 seconds and I was like, all right, okay. Oh my cool. God. Do you know that way? And I feel like there's so much pressure on that first yeah. moment. And I and I was underwhelmed by it. Yeah. And, I've, and it's, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I think you're completely right. I had potentially a, a perfect birth, and I hate that people say that, but Isabel was, well, it depends what you, your mindset is, Isabel was um, breached from 36 weeks, so they tried to rotate her. It didn't work. She was not for coming out. Uh, she's not for rotating, and the consultant was really reluctant to let me have a, a vaginal birth because of the position that she was in so I got put in for a planned section the day before she was due and I went in with a curly blow with a face full of makeup kind of knowing exactly what day the baby was going to born I didn't have a labor but I, I don't know it, I think because I didn't have that build up and I didn't have the waters breaking in the middle of the night and the rush to the hospital in the car like you see on the movies. I just walked into a room completely well, had somebody inject something into my back and lie on a table, and it felt like I was in a film because it was just a theatre room that looked like a film. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. It's funny you say that. I remember thinking a similar thing, being wheeled in and being like, oh, I've only like I've only seen these on Yeah, <laughs> It was that massive light on the ceiling and I was like, Oh, it looks like when people recover from surgery in a film and they open their eyes and that big light's in their face. And the whole time just felt a bit like a performance. Danny was dressed up like a doctor and I just thought, You look fucking stupid. And he was like really awkward oh, and yeah. he didn't know where to stand and he felt a bit sick because he He's not great for watching casualty or anything. So he was like, oh, shit, like, she's getting cut open. And <laughs> Yeah, John, John accidentally looked right at one point and saw what was going on. And he was like, oh, God. And I went, what do you mean, oh, God? And he was like, I just looked behind the curtain. I shouldn't have. I was like, oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> yeah, so I think, like, we've, I don't know, we filmed the bit. Everything, everything was as beautiful as it could be. We filmed it. I had my own playlist on. It was amazing to watch back. But even when I watch that video now, I cry watching it back. I didn't cry at the time. And I no, oh, I didn't cry when Sky was born. No, there. but I expected to to sob. I expected to. I expected to see her and sob and be like, "Oh my god, my baby's here!" Like, and the reality was, I mean, mine was in a, obviously a gigantic yeah. emergency, and I remember just lying there, just thinking. I remember thinking, "Okay, we might actually both get out of this alive." Oh god, and that was about it. Like, there was no kind of like, and then it was all fine. And then, if anything, my reaction was then when he left me and John in like recovery I think John turned around to me and went guess we're parents then and I started like hysterically laughing like do you know what I mean? when somebody's like you don't know what else to do and it just comes out as like nervous laughter like when you used to have to do mini silence yeah. at school and you have no idea what like, you're laughing at but it's hilarious 
that that was what happened to me. And I was like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, oh God. It was just bizarre. But yeah, when you said underwhelm, that was absolutely the first thing that came to mind. I think mind. a lot of people have spoken about that, haven't they? And there was so much pressure for you to feel this insane amount of love. I just remember I was lying there and I couldn't move and I wasn't I didn't know what I was allowed to do. So my arm was out to the right and I had a cannula in and a blood pressure monitor on and I was kind of strapped to the bed. I couldn't feel anything from my boobs down. So I was just like, am I allowed to move my arm to hold her? She's just screaming. And she was in this like really awkward position because they obviously put her on straight away for skin to skin. And she was kind of right in my neck screaming. And I was like, oh, move. But I couldn't move her. And I just thought, I felt out of control because I felt like I couldn't move her and put her in a position that I wanted to because I was strapped to a bed. And it's only like, when I think about it now, I thought that should have been the most amazing moment ever. But I just remember lying there thinking, I I feel like I can't move and I feel like I can't get hair out of my neck. Oh, it's just, it's just a weird time. Yeah. So the next topic you've picked, yes. which I feel like they all, these all have a very good flow into one another, is, is for why, and you chose you. Yeah. As in, why are you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what did you mean by you? I I was just thinking then, actually, the the things that I've chosen, and I need to put this caveat in, the book is funny. The book is not me having a mental breakdown, though it sounds like it is. (laughs) The book is... It's really not. It is really funny. These are such deep chapters that I've picked, but I think it's because they really personify what a parent is in amongst all of these shit shows. The the uh, thinking about this chapter. So my friend is recording the audio book for me at the moment, and she said to me the other day, "I read back the chapter you and I cried, and that's what she said to me, and I." haven't read it back yet because it's so it's so emotional to me still I felt so much like I lost myself and I became Isabel's mum and everybody forgot who I was everybody forgot that I was Bex everybody forgot that they say hello to me when they come into a room rather than just walk in go oh my god and take the baby away I lost my career, which, I mean, I haven't lost it. I'm I'm back at work. I'm doing the same job. But at that time, I felt like I lost my career. I felt like I didn't have a, a purpose. And that sounds so ridiculous because you've got, I know now that that's the most important purpose in the entire world is to be a mum to this tiny little person. But yeah, just losing who I was. And I know. And I know Danny's going to listen to this and be like, oh, this is ridiculous. But I found it so hard that I wasn't Danny's number one and he wasn't my number one anymore. Like, yeah, I get We that. were second best to this baby. And I've always been Danny's number one and he's always been mine. We've literally been together since we were children. So for him to love something more than me, and look how bloody selfish it sounds, but for him to love something more than me and for me genuinely to put him second, if the house went on fire, 
I would not even think to wake him. I would just run to the baby. And that's insane to me. And it broke my heart because I was like, shit, I've changed so much. And I don't, I don't recognize this woman anymore. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is deep, isn't it? I'm telling you now, the book's funny. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it is. I can can carry out, it is funny. But I totally feel you. There's so many things when I read that chapter that was like that. Like, I've had so many DMs from people saying to me, like, sometimes I'll say something and they'll be like, it's like I could feel my shoulders release because I thought, oh, thank God, it's not just me. And that's how I felt about reading that chapter. There are things I have felt towards John that I have never felt. I've never resented him before. And then when I was stuck at home and he was going to work every day, oh, God. God, I rented him so hard. It's like you are reading him. my mind. And it's like, it's so funny because like Monday to Friday, John was out six in the morning till seven. Now he commuted four hours a day. Like we used to commute to and from London to Cambridge. It's not exactly a piece of pie. It's hard work. You're up at quarter past five every day. But he would do these long days, which meant he wasn't around Monday to Friday. And God, I used to resent him so bad for it. I'd be like, like, he'd come back and he'd obviously be knackered. And I know he'd be knackered, but I was like, enjoy your hot coffee in London. Why <laughs> sitting on the train and watching TV, did you? Do you know that way? And it's so bad. Like, I never resented him before. Yeah. I'd never had any reason to resent him before. And that was a whole new thing to get my head around. And I, I felt this chapter as well because I really... I really struggled with the whole, like... I always said, I was like, I don't want to become just a mum. Yeah. I don't want to become just a mum. I don't want to become just a mum. And that, like this whole, like, I had this vision in my head of a mum is somebody who forgets how to dress themselves properly and becomes frumpy. Yes. And, like, all they can do is talk about their kid, <laughs> says the woman now running a parenting <laughs> podcast. Um, let's, all, let's all bask in the irony of that, shall we? Um, but, yeah, and I just feel like I had in my head this view of what a mum should be and it terrified me because I didn't want to be like that and I really struggled I struggled when I was pregnant because then I couldn't dress the way I've always dressed and stuff and I feel like and I remember putting a pod uh, a post up on Instagram being like I knew my life was going to change when baby got here but nobody told me it'd have to change so soon like I'm not ready yeah. yet even though like I just and I felt like I felt very out of control with it and the fact that I was going to change and I would probably say it's taken me like until maybe only fairly recently to finally accept that the mum part of me and the old part of me can go alongside one another and complement one another and one's not going to outweigh the other but also neither of them are bad yeah oh my god you know what it's it's so true and it's so refreshing to hear somebody else say it because I I mean I'm not particularly fashionable I've never been fashionable but it's the the ability, and I know we're going to come on to this, but the ability to dress your own body, the ability to pick something that you want to wear, the ability to go out without a massive bag full of shit. Like, do you remember when you just <laughs> which, used to leave... Which you very, really... So, I, I never used to go into the baby bags. Like, I used to pack it full, and then I think I'd like open it once and like half the stuff would stay in there for the rest yeah. of the time. Yeah, but you have to carry everything in the world just in case. And then... The one thing that you need, like a central pack of wipes or something, I would never have in the bag because it just made me feel sick. The thought of carrying this huge bag around. Now I'm like, the thought of going out on my own and going to the shops, I don't know. It sounds like I'm being so moany and I promise I'm not really this moany. I just, I just think, 
I never expected to be a different person. Like, you know, the people who come into work and they go, oh, my God, look at this picture of Isabel. Oh, she's sneezing and look how funny it is. That's me now. Fucking hell, how boring is that? And everybody just goes, ah, because there's nothing else to say. I'll be like, oh, my God, Isabel did this at nursery. So nobody gives a shit apart from you. Yet I know that and I still do it. And it's mad that I've changed to that person. What's also mad is, like, we've got new members of staff in work who are are junior members of staff and they weren't there so they weren't there before I had Isabel they don't know me as not a mum and they have this like perception of me as a a Audi driving live in a nice big house proper mum like does nice things like of a weekend like goes for lovely walks with the children has never been out for a drink or has never like I I just think it's mental because I'm like oh shit you think that I'm a grown-up and in my head I'm not a grown-up but they see me as the grown-up in situations and I'm like oh shit when did that happen yeah yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like I still look for the adult in the room and then realise that sometimes I am the adult in the room and I'm like, no, no exactly. what? <laughs> exactly. And I, 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 don't, I need some, like, adultier adult because I am not the adult. I don't know the adult answers. I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I am. I fully, fully, fully understand. <laughs> um, We're going to move on to number three now. And number three, you've you've... Um, alluded to beforehand but number three you've chosen body now this is obviously something we spoke about on the last episode quite a lot um but we've had some interesting conversations actually randomly on instagram dms about this particular topic so in the body chapter what is it that you talk about i before we go on to me having another rant i listened to alice's interview with you last week and cried because you said how you used to go out for Halloween dressed in this Catwoman outfit and it was like full sexy outfit and it it fit beautifully. And I have a picture of me in exactly the same outfit that we went to a family, don't know why, family party and family superhero party. And I was like looking at that picture now, I'm like, what did I ever think was wrong with that body? And I guess... I don't know, maybe in like 10, 20 years time, I'll look back at this body and I'll be like, oh, what's wrong with it? But I just don't recognise the woman that I am now. Like when I look in a mirror, that's not who I think I look like anymore. You know when you see like a picture on Instagram of a woman looking out at the sea in a bikini and they've got this really like beautiful tight bum And then you go, oh, Danny, will you take a picture of me like that when you're standing on the edge of a pier? And then when they take it, you're fucking furious with Danny because the picture looks shit, but actually it's because you don't look like that woman. That's me. I think I look like that from behind and I don't anymore. Yeah, yeah. I've been there and John's taking a picture and I've gone, I don't look like that. And he's like, "Eh, I've not like changed it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because I think something that I maybe didn't allude to in the episode last week, which is something I've mentioned to you, is people think I'm incredibly body confident. Now, what I will say is 
I said it in the episode last week, there is a difference between being body confident and just being at peace with your body and how it is and not allowing it to like enter your mind or take up space in your brain and your day and everything that you do. Yeah. But I feel like what I really need to say that, that I don't think came across is the thing that I struggle with is not how my body looks necessarily. It's the fact that I don't feel attractive anymore. Yeah, yeah. and they're very different, aren't and they? And it's more that. Yeah, it is very different. And it's like, I'll dress how I want to dress and like, and I'll happily dance in my underwear and Instagram and stuff. And people must think, I think I'm hot stuff. That is not the case whatsoever. I am at peace with my body. I try not to let it, you know, rule my day and how I dress and how I think. But it doesn't mean that I look in the mirror every day and go, sexy bitch. Absolutely not. And in fact, you know, it's felt a long time since I've, I have felt that when I've looked in a mirror. Yeah. When did you, or have you always been body confident post Sky? Like, was there a point when you were like, yeah, you know what, doesn't matter? Because I know so many people talk about being proud of their tiger stripes and being really respectful of the body that has created a child. And I, on some level get that but I still just want to eat a packet of chocolate digestives without putting weight on like I did before like before I had this like super metabolism maybe I didn't realize that this is just normal body like maybe I had a super body before but now I have to watch what I eat and I I have to I mean I don't I don't watch why I, I don't exercise. <laughs> Me either. But then I get angry because I go fatter. And I just think I want to go back to that body or the body that my brother has where he can eat like 12 chocolate bars and then be like, oh, yeah, fine, I'm going to see you later and be able to like still run for a bus. I just, I don't know. I want somebody to tell me um, how to I fix mean, it. I was at mine, I think, and again, I alluded to this last week, my... my issues with my body were more anger at the fact that it didn't work properly as opposed to how it looked I had a lot of like feeling like my body had let me down yeah and like I've never been I've never been fussed about having a c-section scar that's never particularly phased me like as such yeah I don't know I I once I had Sky lost loads of weight and I was thinner than I'd been in years after having yeah. her and then I feel like what happened was I lost respect for my body and taking care of it because I was depressed and I was struggling and I found it really hard. So I would, and I think I said it last week, I would go to the shop and buy like a packet of chicken dippers and eat those for my lunch. And then I'd have pasta for my dinner and then I'd have, and I wasn't nourishing myself properly. Yeah. So I think that the issue with my body, and obviously then I put, I think I put on two stone maybe or something. And I think that, when I looked back and I and I allowed those thoughts to get into my head about my body, it was more that I was cross at myself for not caring about myself enough. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's where I am now. Like, I don't know whether I feel busy, whether I feel... Because obviously I've kind of relatively recently gone back to work. I'm trying to publicise the book. I have a toddler who just sabotages my house every day. So I feel like... Because I'm busy, my body and the nourishment and the the exercise and everything else, I just feel like, oh, I haven't got time for that. I'll spend three hours on Instagram, but I feel like I haven't got time for that. So maybe that's that's where I need to be now. But it did take a long time because I think 
you, I don't know, maybe this is another reason to resent your husbands. Like, Danny's body didn't change. He didn't lose his identity in that way. He didn't gain a chin. I gained a chin after I had Isabel. And I was like, I don't want to have this double chin. I just want to be my old self. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like there's so much for like, it felt like when I was talking about John going to work Monday to Friday, it felt like his life Monday to Friday didn't yeah. change. His body didn't change. His Monday to Friday life didn't change. His like, his figure didn't change. He did like, it feels like there's so much more that women have to like get their head around yeah. to have a baby. What I noticed um, and how I'm trying to word this in the next book, and I haven't quite got it right yet, is you the book always stops with you so like as much as Danny is and I hate hate this terminology of hands-on dad like nobody ever says you're a hands-on mum but he's a hands-on dad and he is like he's brilliant with Isabel he he loves the bones of her but ultimately if he is running late with work or I, I don't know like no no matter what happens in the the world the book stops with me with that child like I will always give up anything for her and I think what's really strange is sometimes I think oh but but I I want to do this and I can't because I've got Isabel and I can't really think how to describe it I just think it's really odd that that person is completely reliant on you for potentially the rest of their life just massive isn't it it's huge like you made a person it's like it's like like one of those things that when you start thinking about it too much you freak yourself out like I get like that when I think about space right (laughs) see when I start to think about how big space is like a proper freak myself out and it's a similar thing when you're like oh my god it's my job to keep them alive and I've done it now for nearly two years right I've pretty much you'd like to think by now semi got the hang of what's going on here but even still like here's a prime example right so um, Sky can climb up onto our dining table and does it all the time. She's a climber. She loves it. She can get up there and she can get down. Three o'clock in the morning, I woke up the other morning and went, oh my God, I put grapes in the fruit bowl. What if she climbs up onto the table and chokes on a grape? Yeah. So I actually had to get out of bed at three in the morning. And John got up in the morning and went, Megan, why is there grapes in the middle of the kitchen side? And I was like, because I was going to choke on them. He was like, were you having like a 3am grape party or something? Right. But sometimes the overwhelm of being so responsible for them, like it proper messes with your head. Oh, completely. And I think like before, oh God. So before we were at Danny's mum's house, for the COVID listeners, Danny's mum provides childcare. So she goes there on a Thursday night and she stays on a Thursday. So I was dropping the baby off and they have string where they put, this is really funny now, it wasn't funny before, where she puts Christmas um, cards or birthday cards, whatever, off, off the back of a door. So the string just hangs down the side of this door, right in the corner, you can't see it. Isabel grabbed hold of this really long piece of string and we were all sitting in the living room kind of watching her. And just grabbed it, did a twist over her head and looped this string around her neck and then ran. And I was like, shit, like two seconds. If we weren't there then, two seconds, she literally would have just hung herself off the door. And I I just, it blows my mind that no matter where that child is all the time, 
she could kill herself. And I have to try and stop yeah. that all of her life. Like how how mad it's is like, that? It's like being it's like being um uh, like the bodyguard for somebody really famous when it's your job to jump in front of a bullet. It sort of feels like that, but all the yeah. time. I put in the book, it's like living a hazard perception test and your driving test all the fucking time, except <laughs> it's your own offspring. And if you don't oh. save them, it's not like you'll fail your test, the kid dies. Like, I mean... <laughs> yes. It's not even like a little bad outcome. It's the worst possible yeah. outcome every time. And like, you have to go to court after that. There's just so much paperwork involved with that happening that I'm like, no, I can't be dealing with that right now. <laughs> Too much paperwork. <laughs> um, speaking of paperwork, the fourth thing you've picked... Is baby brain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That's a real thing, you know. Like, they tell you baby brain exists. They go, oh, 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 oh baby brain. And then you decide to make your husband a dinner after he's coming home from work when you're about, say, 13, 14 weeks pregnant, thinking that you're living the dream, thinking that you're an absolute trophy wife. And then you walk into the kitchen and realise that the chicken is on top of the stove and you've put a tea towel in the oven, which is now on fire because that you've been cooking it for like half an hour. Danny, and by the way, that is a true story, absolutely right? Absolutely true. Like Danny came into the house <laughs> and he was like, Where, what are you cooking? And I was like, oh, I'm doing chicken roast dinner, like dead cocky with myself. And he's like, no, I'm telling you like it stinks. So he ran into the kitchen. And there was a tea towel on fire in the oven that I'd, I'd been cooking. Like, the chicken was completely raw, sat on top of the oven. I don't know what I'd done. It's a baby brain is true. It's dangerous. It's lethal. But I find as well, so you've got that baby brain bit when you get pregnant, right? But I swear, I feel like mine, like, is toddler brain thing? Because mine is worse now. And I don't know whether that is. And I've wrote an article for my Patreons about this, about how I'm very tired of the cognitive mind load of being a mum. Yeah. Like, the, all of the stuff you think about. The fact that you have to make 800,000 decisions every yeah. day. The fact that, and this is a this is another resent husband moment. The fact that, like, even when John is there, like, he'll be like, "What's she having for her dinner?" or "What should I dress her in today?" or "What pajamas is she oh wearing?" or "Where are her pajamas?" And you're just like, "Dude, I I, I make these decisions all day. Yes. I don't care. You do it. You just make the decision. I don't even care if it's the wrong decision at this point. Just you do it. It's remembering." Is the nursery bag packed? Does she have a Mimi, which is her, which is her mouse, oh. at nursery, or have they sent it back to Washington? Is there definitely one there because all hell will let loose <laughs> if she has to nap without Mimi? Like, does she have a, like, enough clothes at nursery? Well, is the bag comes back every day from nursery? What needs washed? What needs put back in it? What needs to go back? Like, it just feels like the mind load of it feels relentless yeah. and then I find that seems to be for me worse now so like I got all the way to nursery to pick her up the other day and realised I still had my fucking slippers <laughs> on and then like you look like the crazy mum and you're like no this is just me trying to survive don't look at me just don't look at me this is so true I realised I realised I forgot to pay our milkman for five <laughs> months not five weeks, people. Not five days. I forgot to pay the milkman for five months. They had to phone me and they were like, you know that you've not paid us? And I was like, 
Oh. <laughs> but oh, I'm sorry. I owed them like I mean, milk is like a milk bill a week is like one pound eighty five. I owed them fifty quid. <laughs> <laughs> not paid for my milk for five oh months. Oh, God. P- Plums, Dairy Cambridge, if you happen to be listening. I'm incredibly <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like I feel like baby brain was a thing, and I couldn't remember of any examples of baby brain from when I was younger, but I feel like now that there's more balls in the air to juggle, I feel like my my brain now is worse than it... Um, it might not be worse. I could have maybe have just, like, gleefully forgotten <laughs> all the stuff weird stuff I did before but I feel like now I've got toddler brain I think that's a thing I definitely agree I what's funny about you saying about the nursery bag being packed Danny got well we both get this message on the parents own app saying more wipes please so I said to Danny oh don't forget to take some wipes to nursery he took one fucking ba- pack of wipes one so then two days later more wipes please off nursery I was like Danny, they've said more wipes again. And he was like, yeah, give them a pack. I was like, a pack? Like, I literally take a box in so I don't need to think about it again. And he was like, oh, right, okay. And then, like, the oh, what what's she wearing for nursery today? Isabel's lucky, right? She's got shitloads of clothes. People have handed down to her. She's really fortunate. She has a a clothes wardrobe. It's like a an actual wardrobe. And then she's got this little hole-in-the-wall cupboard thing that I use as a second wardrobe. And one wardrobe has nursery clothes in, one has normal clothes in. So I'm like... we. Sp- it's so funny, we split our wardrobe yeah. too. So she's got hat. This stuff is nursery, this stuff is yeah. not. Just pick something from that wardrobe. That's all you need to do. And she still comes out looking like a fucking idiot. And I'm like, Danny, what, <laughs> what have you put her in? Oh, does that not match? No, it doesn't match, no. Like... I know that she's going to nursery and she's going to paint it every way anyway, but don't make her look like the scruff. Like, I don't want her to yeah. look like the, the kid that no one cares about. <laughs> it turns out and it's like, oh, oh, love, they tried. But, but yeah, it's so it's so funny because Sky goes to an outdoor nursery, so she gets, I think I put a post up story up today if we came back, she was like, she's black yeah. from head to toe, she's disgusting, <laughs> right? I love it, I think it's brilliant. But so I don't really care, but as you say, you're like, at least like at least when I hand it over in the morning, I need to look like I've like tried. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny though, because like she he's gonna hate me for saying this, but I'm gonna say it because what are you gonna do? He is obsessed with her not being the smelly kid. So obviously she'll have a bath the night before she goes to nursery, and then in the morning he'll like change a nappy and he'll be like does she smell and I'm like no she's fine and he's like yeah but she just can't be the smelly kid so he like gives <laughs> her a little I don't know like wet wash thing in the morning because he doesn't want it to smell and I'm just like oh it's so weird and then I found a spraying my perfume on it I'm like stop it I don't want it to smell like an old woman like the beautiful baby smell is masked by Jimmy Choo you idiot so funny if we're sharing good if we're sharing cognitive parent stories so this one this is the one that got me so john decided this was obviously ages ago he was going to go out um in london remember when we used to go out that was great um i know so he was going out for like a saturday afternoon into saturday evening and for about three weeks keep in mind i was for i was um not working so i had and wasn't getting maternity i had no money and i was like we need more nappies we need more nappies. We need more nappies. And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. 
He goes to London and I message going, by the way, did you get more nappies? And he was like, oh, this, I'm pretty sure there's another pack in the garage. Go out to the garage. No nappies. Pissing down with rain. Ten minutes before Sky has to go to bed. I, what, like, the tirade of abuse I text him was unreal. (laughs) It was like... How dare you do this to me? And I was because uh, I was, and I just said to him, I was like, I'm so bored of being the one that has to keep on top yeah. of everything. And I'm in a way, and I'm glad it happened because then we did sit down, and I was like, look, I was like, I have to know when the wipes are running out, when the nappies are running out, if this is packed, if that is packed, what she's eating, how many vegetables is she eating this week? Because she pooped everything. It just I was like, my brain is full. And then when I was going back to work, I was like, you've got to tip up some of this yeah. slack. Because my brain feels full now. If I had work on top of this, I genuinely think my head might explode. <laughs> it's so true. And it's so, like, sorry about your shit show, but it's making me so much happier that you also live in this shit show. I, the fact oh. that you have to think. And then he goes, do you know if any of my work pants have been washed? And I'm like, I don't know. Ask the fucking cleaning fairy. And then you end up being like, right, Danny, like, these things need to be done by both of us. And he gets it, but then he'll go, I've done the dishes for you. For me? Oh, oh, thank you very much. What do you want? The biscuit? Like, I just don't understand. I'm like, I don't go to Isabel. Oh, I've washed your clothes for you, sweetheart. I don't understand why he, he needs to justify the fact that he's done stuff for me. I've hoovered the living room for you. Oh, thank you. Now we're not living in our own excrement. <laughs> oh god i mean i feel like we should just have a i feel like there could be a whole episode in itself of just ranting yeah, about other half let, let's get me back on um, for a christmas special of how to deal with your husband and i should just put in like a little note that i actually like him i know i've put um in the book i used to like him now i sometimes want to suffocate him in his sleep because he can't hear Isabel crying in the middle of the night and I can and then as soon as as soon as I move to go and get Isabel he's like oh oh babe oh is she awake and I'm like oh so you couldn't have heard that screaming baby monitor next to your head but you'll hear my head move off a pillow like I (laughs) love that man so much but it's just hard I just want someone to take the bits out of my brain sometimes do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what it is. I just want someone else to carry it for a while because it feels heavy in my yeah. head. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's like trying to bring in all the shopping but carrying all the bags at the same time. And sometimes you just need to go. Well, somebody grab the loo rolls out from underneath my yeah. armpit. Thanks. Oh, don't let that wine <sighs> smash on the floor. I mean, I'll be pri- <laughs> absolutely. That is the biggest priority. Um. So, since we've slagged husbands off, I feel like it's a, a nice segue onto your fifth thing you picked, which is judgment. Yeah. Which now feels slightly hypocritical because we've just judged our husbands quite a lot. But that's not, oh, that, that's that's not the big point. That's completely different, yeah. <laughs> judgment, I think, is a big hot topic in motherhood. What What's your take on wow. it? Wow. From the moment you... F- Sorry, a bit. From the moment you find out that you're pregnant everybody has opinion are you gonna breastfeed are you gonna co-sleep oh oh i wouldn't i definitely wouldn't get one of those snooze pod things literally like everybody has an opinion on everything from the moment you piss on that stick and it changes color like it scares me how everybody's just entitled to have an opinion and i guess before i had a baby i was like 
oh, God, I can't believe that these people, I don't know, do baby-led weaning or they do this. Everybody has a different opinion. I think it's only when you've lived through it that you realise that you do you. Like, you might want to breastfeed and you can't. You might think, I don't want to breastfeed till you bottle feed. What made me really, really sad, and it still makes me sad, and this is about one of my closest friends who I met in an antenatal class and she's still like she is the reason that I ended up going to classes because she made me go to them she made me have structure to my week because otherwise I would have just sat in my own filth like she's she has pulled me through a lot but one of the things that makes me so so sad is she would always say to me Oh, I, I tried breastfeeding, but I, well, I couldn't and I, I couldn't do that. And I'm like, stop justifying yourself to me. Stop feeling like you have to explain yourself. Because I used to, I was really lucky. Isabel latched on fine. I'm a tight arse and breastfeeding was free. So I breastfed her and it worked and it was fine. And whenever I would breastfeed in a, a baby class or whatever, there would always be somebody there who go, oh, I, I did that for a couple of weeks, but then the baby couldn't do this or the baby. It just makes me so sad that people are so ready to back up reasons why people are judging them. I don't care. I, I don't care at all whether you breastfed, bottle fed, co-slept, baby led, weaned, I don't know, traditional weaning, whatever. You've just got to do what's best for you. And I think when you have your first child, the world is so vast and so different that these decisions are so blown up in your head because you're like, oh, my God, I've got six months to think about weaning. Well, am I going to baby-led wean? Am I going to puree first? Yeah. Like, what am I going to do? I guess when you have more children, you don't have the same time to think about it. Or, like, people go, oh, how do you do it when you've got three or four? They just have to fit into the life that you've already got. So... You you do let them fall asleep in the pram because you have to go out in the pram because you have to pick the kid up from school. Like, in yeah. a way, maybe that's easier. But, yeah, the, the judgment thing, I'm in a better place now about it because I just think, oh, like, pack it in. I feel like, I, I feel, and I, I, I hesitate to say the more experienced you become in motherhood, the less it matters because you get more confident mm. because I don't think I feel more experienced in motherhood I definitely don't know more than anybody else but I feel like once you get into your swing of things then it is easier now I've had like like the most recent one was the one I put up on Instagram which got huge traction was about the woman judging me in the play park for letting Sky go on the big side because she's pretty brave and I was just like but then it's really interesting because when I sat and reflected on it, and I, I've spoken about the book, um, the the book you wish your parents had mm. read, which is like a it's like a psychoanalyst book about parenthood. And actually, when I listened to that, what really clicked and hit home to me is that a lot of times the judgment comes from either self anxiety or jealousy. And see, as soon as I heard that, I went, "Of course it is." Yeah. She's either looking at me and being like, well, I'm sitting here scrolling on my phone and not paying attention to my kid and you're super engaged with your kid and that's irked me a wee bit. Or she's so terrified of her kid having an accident or whatever that she's portraying her fears onto me. Yeah. So it's not really about me at all. 
It's about her. So then they turn it into, well, she is an irresponsible mother because she is letting her kid potentially be at risk of this accident rather than reflecting on herself and thinking, oh, well, should I let my child do that? Should I let my child explore? I've taken one of my friends, um, Leanne, who I know from school, she is a phenomenal mother in my eyes. She, She does a lot of kind of outdoor play, a lot of risky play, a lot of baby or child led play and it's all of the things that in my pre-mother perfect mother self would have gone oh that's a bit hippie-ish that's a bit um you know just a bit like doolally parenting yeah and then a bit like a bit like it's you know you're a parent you shouldn't let the kids rule your yeah. life it should be the other way around and then I just yeah, look yeah, at yeah. her and okay. I think oh my god you've got it like her kids are just playing outside, like the exploring the world. And I think that's the world that I grew up in. That's the world where we didn't sit on our phones all the time, where we weren't terrified, where if we fell over, your mum would kiss your knee better and then you'd get up and you'd carry on playing. And I, I kind of, I've taken a lot from her to be the mum who lets my kid go on the big slide. And Isabel has no fear. And like you were saying before with Sky climbing on the table, Isabel does the same thing and I always thought that I'd be the mother that I'd be like get down that's really dangerous but I'm kind of and don't tell Isabel because she'll do it all the more but I'm really proud when I'm like oh look at you like go you. I'm like that I'm like I I get it and sometimes so this is like where I'm struggling with judgment a bit at the minute is I will allow Sky to do that because as far as I'm concerned if she can climb up onto the table and she's not going to be disruptive or anything. But also she knows how to get down yeah. safely. I don't see it as a problem. If she does it in the middle of us having dinner, or if she does it in the stuff on the table she can't touch, then I say to her, like, I know you want to climb on the table. We don't climb on the table just now because of this. And you know what? She doesn't. She only climbs on the table when it's completely yeah. empty. Because you've but given I her boundaries, like, and it's, it's then not yeah, the 100%. thing you are naughty and not allowed to do. Like, if you give her those boundaries. And you know what's really funny? I was listening to you talking then, and I was like, I know in my pre-parent self, I would have been like, that is appalling. You can't let your child climb on the table. And those judgments are still in your head. It's scary how we're so pre-programmed to judge every single person's decisions. And now, like, I'm the mum who she will have a full-on meltdown in the middle of Tesco and she'll be flailing her arms. And I'll be like, oh, control your kids. And now I'm the mom who needs to control the kids. And sometimes you cannot control that child. So, like, it's... No, you got to let them work it out. you got to let them work yeah. it through. And it's like, because actually trying to lift them up or do anything about it is going to make the situation yeah. worse. And, like... <laughs> At least it is this with Sky. Sky, like, if Sky gets to that point where she's gone past it, like, I know when there's the point that I can intervene and be like, right, come on, let's have a cuddle yeah. and let's, like, have a chat about what's happened versus the, actually, you just need to, you just got to work that through. Crack on, love. <laughs> sure. Like, this is, this is all you now. This is all you yeah. now. But it's really funny because the thing I'm struggling with at the moment is Sky's quite a loud, she's not loud, she's, I mean, she doesn't really talk yet. That's a whole other thing. But she's, like, she's, she's brave. She's very strong-willed. She's very, like... Even throughout the whole of lockdown, she's never ended up with social anxieties. She's straight, like, like you could walk into my house, right? And Sky will have never met you. And within five minutes, she's dragging your uh, hand to get you down on the floor to I play. Right? She's, she's really forthcoming. She's really bold. She's really boisterous. 
And that I'm suddenly realising with some people is being portrayed as being naughty. Oh, really? See? Yeah. And like somebody, there was an incident the other week where I think some mum had said to me, they were like, oh, um, I guess I'm really, and it, it wasn't meant to be a mean comment or anything, but it was like, oh, I guess I'm really lucky I've gotten like an easygoing toddler or something. And it oh. made Sky out to be a handful. And I was like, she's not a handful. She just, she's pretty fiercely determined about what she wants, but I don't see that as a bad thing. But I feel like I can see now where people have strong will kids or loud kids or like really excitable kids. They get, they get tagged with this naughty banner and it's, it's really irked me. Yeah, I, I completely get that. And I think Isabella in a way has similar characteristics to that. And if they are the ones who are maybe more strong willed, want to show their opinions more, or have a, have a viewpoint on like, if they don't get their own way type of thing, then they are maybe louder than another child. It People are so quick to judge. And I think I've never thought that I was going to be the mum of that child. So I can see where those judgments come from, but they're so ill-informed because these people are not even people yet. Like they are still very much figuring out the world. They've never done this world before. So I just think we've got to give the kids a little bit of chance to be kids. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And also my final word on judgment before we move on is the biggest source of judgment that I experience is from myself. Oh. And I will fully put my hands up. Absolutely. God, the mum like, I spend Oh, mum girl, I spend every single day worrying whether the decision I've made is going to fuck her up and she's going to be talking about it instead of people <laughs> she's married to. Do you know what I mean? Like, And I feel like we talk about judgment and we're so like, anti-judgment, we're all in this together. And sometimes we need to have that chat inward with ourselves to stop judging our own decisions and judging what we do internally yeah. too. And it, it fits with every other aspect that we've spoken about because when I do find the time to go and spend an hour in Starbucks writing the book or the fact that I've made the decision to go back almost full time, the fact that I choose to go on a date night with Danny and have a babysitter, obviously pre-COVID shit, it it makes me feel so guilty because I'm like, oh, I should be spending all of this time with Isabel. One of the things that is really, really difficult for me at the moment is I'm trying to publicise the book. I'm trying to, in the long run for me, have a better life for Isabel, have a life where she can have even more than I had when I was a child, not in terms of material things, but just give her all of the the options, the opportunities. The experiences. Yeah, and Exactly. And it, that that is what the book is to me. That I obviously wanted to get it out there to support other mums and to build that kind of community but I do want it to do well and I think making the decision and trying to strike a balance between working on trying to publicize it trying to build up the engagement on things like social media makes me feel sick when I know that any of that time I could be spending with her and I really try consciously to not be on my phone 
when I'm with her other than to take fit, put photos of her. So she thinks that my phone is a camera and that's it. Because when she sees it and I'm holding <laughs> it, she'll smile because she thinks that that's what it's for. I don't give it to her. Oh, my heart. I know. <laughs> I don't give it to her. And I'm really, I mean, here we go, super mum. But I'm r- trying to be really strict about not letting her go on it because... I don't know. I just think I never had one when I was a kid. I, it would be the bloody easy option. And I know there's so many times where I've been like, oh, just give her the bloody phone. But that's one thing that I'm like, because I've not done it now for 16 months, I'm like, no, don't break your record again, because I like to achieve things. So it's more about my mindset than his. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, I just think I the balance of judging yourself, the mum guilt is huge and I always then think what do people think of me it always comes back to what people think of me so even me judging myself but also worrying about what people judge and I put that in the book I was like so we need to stop giving a shit about what people think blah 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 when you figure out how let me know because I'm still I know that that's the answer but I don't I'm not there yet so yeah, I mean, I'm not there yet either. I feel like that's a journey. I'm not sure if you ever get there. I don't. I think that's one of those situations where there's no dis, there's no end destination. Yeah, ever. perhaps like when you say like 78, you know these 78 year olds who you see like at a rave and they just give no shits. That's when you realise that judgment doesn't matter. That's Nirvana. Yeah. <laughs> that's Nirvana. Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to talk. I'm going to tell you about what everybody else said. Were there five oh, things? Yeah. Now. Can you guess the number one thing that came up that people wish they'd known about before having a kid? Oh, God. Um, I bet you this is going to be really obvious. No, go on. F- feeding. So we've got breastfeeding, oh. how difficult it is, about reflux, that formula feeding doesn't make you a bad mum. Like, fed is best. That was the one that by far came up as the biggest thing people wish they knew more about. Doesn't that make you feel totally sick, get. though, that that's the biggest thing? Because that is something that we can educate people on. Like, that makes me really, really sad because it. we all know that that's going to happen. And we all, to an extent, know you need to either breastfeed or bottle feed your baby. So the fact that people know that that's a thing but don't realise how hard it is is mental to me because... I get it. Like, I completely get it. I was lucky because Isabel latched, but nobody told you it was going to be toe-kill and agony every time that she latched for the first however many weeks. I remember gripping onto Danny's hand as she latched because I've never been... My my boobs have never been udders before. I've never been milked like a cow before. So when that started, of course it's going to hurt. Like, they've never produced milk before. Get a milk out, of course it's going to hurt. They, they go massive. The engorgement pain is horrendous. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful. You know what else is yeah. mad about, and and people will know about it now, but, like, how much you need to smother your baby's face into your boob to get them to latch? I remember them. <laughs> See, I never got this because, obviously, Sky was too little. Oh, yeah. I remember once or twice we tried to do it and her head was so tiny that I genuinely was worried that my boob was going to, like, crush her skull because my tits were massive. Yeah. But, I yeah. remember the midwife coming up to me. It must have been, like, 1 o'clock in the morning after the section and we were still in hospital. And I was kind of holding this baby nicely onto my nipple. And she was like, no, it's breastfeeding, not nipple feeding. And she put the baby 
right on, mouth really wide open, onto my boob and, like, pushed her in. And I was like, shit, she's going to suffocate. And she was like, she's not, she's fine, I've done this before. And I was like, okay, but I feel very uncomfortable about this. And that was how she latched on. And I was like, nobody tells you that. Nobody tells you that. No. Just so many little hints and tips. And I think it's lovely that they've got these breastfeeding support workers at hospitals to who, who've been in that situation to say, this is the tip that I found. This is a tip that worked yeah. for me. But equally, like, I moved as well onto formula when she was seven-ish months old because every time I fed her, she would pull her head off and, like, look around the room and I would just be sprinkling the room like a jet spray <laughs> because her stupid nice. head had moved out of the way as the letdown was coming on. So it, it kind of just stopped working then. It wasn't practical. And look, here I go. I'm justifying why I stopped. Like, every single person does it. But there was nothing wrong with formula and I know people will bang on about breast is best there's research there's evidence the evidence is out there if you want to read the evidence but equally how many people in nursery or high school or university can you look at and go oh well she was breastfed she's definitely formula fed look at her what's the difference if you can point to me in a group of people who was breastfed who was formula fed then that's fine. That's your argument one. But until you can do that, do what you want. Yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, the second topic I've I've grouped under like a theme, right? So the second one was not feeling how you think you should is how oh, I've sort of titled yeah. it. So it's okay to feel that motherhood is relentless. The love will come, but it does if it doesn't immediately. That's okay. The pressure of that enjoying every moment mentality how you can love them but still mourn your life at the old time. So they all talk to this kind of these like... These are all my people. Like, literally. These are all your people. these messages in, like, you need to be in touch with me because I want to be your friend. If you have that mindset of it is relentless, it the, oh, the love will come. That needs to be like a slogan on a maternity ward hospital, doesn't it? Because I, I just... Stop taking, stop putting the pressure on. I, I mean, it's so easy for me to say. It's literally taken me sixteen months and a book to get there. But I <laughs> get that so much. It's so lovely to hear that so many people have been like, "Yes." Oh, and I'm going to talk you through. I'm not going to talk you through a lot of them in much more detail because we'd be here oh, for yeah, Some of my other highlights. Some of my other highlights are. Uh, how much time you'll spend analysing poo. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are somebody bits talked about poo? Like, yeah, oh, mate, I mean, now it's like full vegetables come out. And you're like, dude, that's, that's fucking When, when are you able um, to process sweet corn? Are we ever able to process sweet corn? <laughs> if, if we're not, what is the point in it? Just get rid of sweet corn then. It's not doing anything. It's literally not. It comes out exactly the same. Uh, lots of people talking about uh, things like it. it's not down to your parenting technique if your baby sleeps well it's luck of the yes. draw a lot of that kind Amen. of stuff which is totally I'm true just held my hands up in the air like don't tell totally me true. that oh wait mine slept through from six weeks good for you great like you don't Wonderful. have any tips Crack you on. don't have the answer you are not the oracle you're just lucky I hope that they're a um, nightmare when they're a toddler 
so this one this one actually made me laugh but it sounds quite grim but it's true it's like the first time they hurt themselves you'll realize that kids bleed more than adults and it always gets worse than this <laughs> i was like oh my god yes i remember i smacked sky's head off a wall because i fell down the stairs and i literally thought i'd split my baby in oh half and god. or she also she's also fallen and bit her tongue before oh. and like there's like blood pouring out her mouth and we generally like that's it she's a goner right it's like <laughs> like quick somebody come read her last rites and stuff and it always <laughs> seems worse than it is and then it turns out to be the world's tiniest cut and you're like all oh, right the bite in the tongue thing is terrifying i remember um i don't even know how she did it she must have fell and just gone right through and the blood pouring out of her mouth danny just picked her up he went white and just held her out to me like the lion king and I was like, <laughs> You're like I can't yeah. this. He was just freaked out. I do many things, but like magic, magical healing is not one it's of them. just so much blood. And I was like, oh shit. And then when you looked, I couldn't even find where it was coming from. It was just a tiny little hole. Oh, honestly. Oh, there's a couple in here about wanting people wanting to know more about... <sighs> People want to know more about birth trauma and the life after birth, and lots. Of, there's a lot of comments about the end. Like NCT is so outdated. Yeah. Like they don't tell you about any of the actual reality. It's it's too focused on labour. It doesn't tell you about when labour goes wrong, and it, you know, it talks about the ideal perfect labour and not actually the realities. But also, it also doesn't tell you about what happens after yeah. when you actually get home and all of that kind yeah, of stuff. That's so true. Which I wholeheartedly agree with I, you know I've got this whole thing in my head about how I'm going to rewrite NCT and go like freelance and basically provide actual NCT classes that are fucking useful because the ones that they've got are rubbish I'll come I'll um, get in on that let's do that thanks, together thanks. and then let's do that <laughs> together and then the last one which is the one I'm going to finish on because I felt this one in my heart and my soul because I'm a bit of a softy deep down I wish I had more appreciation for my mum early, oh, earlier. Oh. Now I realise that she's a fucking superwoman. And I thought, yeah. It's literally, <laughs> literally just made me cry that because it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. And and I get really upset and the, and because obviously my mum's not around anymore. Yeah. And I've actually want to do a whole podcast episode about what it's like to become a parent when your parents aren't around because then there's this whole other world that opens up that you feel like you've missed out on being able to talk about because no one talks about what they were like as a baby or all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, that one I wanted to include at the end because I just, yeah, I felt it in my gut. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Jesus, that's really upsetting. So if your mums are around, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So if if your mums are around, everybody, send them a message right now just saying you're fucking awesome. Yeah. Like... Even still now, I'm like, oh, mum, you're driving me insane. And I'll tell her to her face about it. But at the same time, like, she did this. And they did it without Netflix. Yeah. And packaged snacks. And and, and baby groups might have existed. And Instagram to be going out there to go, anybody, my kid is like, I don't know, burping the alphabet. Is this normal? Like, and I don't, I genuinely don't know how they do it. No, I don't either. Like, oh, I mean... It explains a lot as to why I am slightly a mess. Maybe that's got something to do with it, but she, she, I swear, like, they are superheroes. And even when you look at, like, beyond relatives, grandparents, I'm like, oh, my God, you have watched your child grow up, have a child who's grown up, now they have a child. 
Like, how proud must that be and how mental? Imagine the love that they must feel because the love you feel for your kids is insane. Imagine your kids' kids or your kids' kids' kids. Oh, mate. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't get my head around that (laughs) because it feels like, I still feel like I don't know if I can have two babies because... I don't know how I understand how this love I have for Sky can like, and everyone says oh, it duplicates. It doesn't half, but that just like, where's 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 the space for it? That? Is mad <laughs> Do you know that what I mean? love though, isn't it? Like, like you think oh. that you know what love is. You think that you are in love with your partner more than any love could exist in the world, and then this person comes up and you're like, whoa, I've not even met you before. I've got no idea who you are, and actually, you're just quite a demanding little prick sometimes. But still, I love you more than I've ever loved anything. It's mental. Oh, it is wild. And as I said, sometimes it takes a while for that love to come. But then when it does come, it's like like in your gut and in your bones and in like... And it changes. It's kind of what... It's kind of what I imagine, like, you know when these people talk about the twin thing? Yeah. Like, when Sky's sad, I'm sad. When she's stressed, I'm stressed. Yeah. When she's happy, I'm happy. So it feels like there's like, you're, like, in- intrinsically linked. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night knowing that she was going to wake up? Like, oh yeah, that sixth sense thing so odd. I'll wake up and I'll be like, Isabel's about to cry. And then she'll, she'll whimper and I'm like, shit. And then I go and see her, and Danny's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, the baby's waking up. But she hasn't moved. I can just sense that she's awake. Yeah. Oh, it's wild. It's wild. Anyway, this chat has been incredible. Thank you so much. It's like, I still still think these, like, recording this podcast is like therapy for me more than it is for (laughs) anyone else, to be honest. Um, but thank you so much. In the show notes to the episode will be links, obviously, to your Instagram and everything else, but also a link to Amazon because your book's on Amazon. It is, yeah. That's so that's so exciting. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I will put a link to the book for those people who haven't read it. Pick it up. Pick it up for people that are going to have a baby too. I feel like it's like the best new mum present ever. Yeah, sorry about the swearing in it. It's, uh, I mean... <laughs> If you haven't sensed that, my mum's appalled because I never, ever swear, but having a baby makes you swear. If you haven't, yeah, if you haven't sensed that I'm a bit of a swearer, then maybe the book's not for you. But it's just honest. It's completely honest. What can I say? Yeah. So get a copy. Let us know what you think of the episode. Keep sending us your top five things. If there's anything we've said that really resonates with you, tag us on Instagram. And I will see you all in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye.